our series this morning on identity, uh, pressing into Ephesians chapter 2 and looking at how we are alive in Christ. So let's just uh, take a few seconds and um, recap on where we've got to in Ephesians. So Graham opened um, a number of weeks back on Ephesians chapter 1, talking about we're chosen and adopted. And he set the backdrop to the letter of Ephesians, defined identity. Do you remember the the what makes me tick the clock analogy? Um, And helped us to understand the power of God's love in choosing and adopting us. And uh, I suppose some of the key points that really stood out to me uh, was that we're all members of the people of God. We're chosen since before creation. We're redeemed, forgiven, adopted by God, and that's what's special about us. And then he said, behind that is the love of God lavished on us through his grace and for his pleasure. And actually last week, Trevor picked up on that word lavished. Such a beautiful word, lavished. And then um, after that, Elaine the next week continued uh, on Ephesians 1.15, highlighting that we know Jesus and know hope. And Elaine helped us see that the heart of the story is a God who longs to know us and to make himself known to us. That's all about relationship. And Elaine challenged us to pray, Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit, help me to know Jesus better. And she brought us to hope, challenging us to pray, Father, rekindle my hope, bring into being the things that are not. And then she talked about God's power, his incomparably great power that brings life to us and those around us. It's always difficult for a Northern Irish person to say power. (laughs) It's a special way of saying that word. (laughs) So this morning I'm focusing in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. We're made alive in Christ and this is a critical part of our identity as Christians shall we read that Ephesians chapter 2 actually we read right through to verse 10 as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the um, the way of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, we're just going to jump into that passage for a bit and then, um, if it's okay, I want to just look in a bit more depth at identity. So Paul starts off in this passage by looking at the past, 
what we were before we came, became Christians. And he, he paints quite a bleak picture. So if I, if I pretend to be an old-style preacher, I've got three words that all start with the same letter. Verse 1, we were dead. So Paul says we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Actually, we might not have looked so dead, but spiritually, that's what we were. We were separated from God. Then we were dominated, verses 2 and 3. Uh, he talks about us following the ways of this world. We had to gratify the desires of our sinful nature. We were compelled to follow its desires and thoughts. Again, for some people, I think this is more pronounced and obvious. For others, it's more subtle, but it's there. There's that domination by a nature that we just don't like sometimes. And then verse 3, we were doomed. Um, it says we were by nature objects of wrath. John chapter 3 verse 38 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, because God's wrath remains on him. So you see, God's opposition to evil, wherever it's found, is both total and permanent. So that's verses 1 to 3, and then the but comes, and it's a great but. Verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And I want to just pick a few points to highlight here. First, God's great love for people. That came out um, in chapter 1 as well, didn't it? And in John 3, verse 16, probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible, it says, For God so loved the world. God has a great love for people. And then the second thing that jumps out to me is God's great initiative towards people. You see, it says, even when we were dead in transgressions, in verse 5, he made us alive. You see, it wasn't our initiative to, to reach out to God. It was God who took the initiative first to reach out to us. Romans 5 verse 8, Paul expresses it in a slightly different way. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the initiative first. His love compelled him to take the initiative and reach out to us even when we were in rebellion to him. And then thirdly here, God's great power to save people. Verse 5, it's by grace you've been saved. And in case we weren't listening, in verse 8, Paul repeats it again. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So by the sacrifice of his son on the cross, Jesus, God uh, made it possible to save people. So if we look at the contrasts, we see that we're saved from death. And we're made alive. We're no longer spiritually dead. We've been made spiritually alive. We're saved from domination to freedom and purpose. We're free from having to follow our sinful nature. We're free to be able to do good works. And verse 10 talks about the good works that God has prepared us um, in the future. That speaks to me of purpose. Of having live, being free to live out the purpose God has for you. And then we're saved from wrath to relationship. We're raised up. We're seated with Christ. So that's just a really quick gallivant through. And, and why is it important? Well, think about those contrasts. 
It's the story of our salvation. It's the amazing stuff that God has done for us. It assures our relationship with Jesus. It confirms our eternal destiny. But there's also a here and now element as well. A right understanding of our identity is important for Christian life. What we do flows out of our understanding of who we are. And a right understanding of our identity equips us uh, to live as God wants us to, equips us for kingdom ministry. In fact, even often you know, our, our general sense of well-being, our mental health can stem from that security of really knowing and being secure in an understanding of who we are, our identity. And I think that's what Paul's doing uh, in this passage and, and through the whole book of Ephesians. There's so much in identity. So that's what I kind of want to spend the next chunk really exploring and and I've been learning a lot about identity over the last four or five months and the leadership team went to a conference up in Nottingham uh, with the Vineyard Church and uh, there was a guy called Putty Putman great name isn't it? American Um, and he he, he spoke um, quite a bit about identity and it's uh, really been, well got a lot from it and um, been, been diving into it and I think one of our challenges is as human beings, we've this tendency to think that we know ourselves perhaps a bit better than we, than we actually do. Is there anyone here who hasn't learned something about themselves in the last year or two? I remember um, I was in my 20s actually when I was first introduced to sushi and I had no idea that I would actually like a bit of raw fish with some rice, spicy green paste and soy sauce. No clue at all that that actually would be nice, but I loved it. I learned something about myself and we're constantly learning about ourselves. So when it comes to how we see ourselves and our identity, it's at best limited and finite. Have you ever seen the movie Dead Poets Society? Robin Williams, I think, probably at his best. Um, A professor helping students to believe in themselves and one of the lines was, Carpe diem, seize the day. But I think there's also a a kind of um, a message that underlies that whole movie. And the message was kind of like this, just be who you want to be. Be who you want to be. And I think that's what our culture says about identity. We can be who we feel like being. We can choose uh, how we identify ourselves, even, you know, when it comes to gender. Um, we, 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 We choose. But the Bible, I think, takes quite a countercultural stance. So the Bible's narrative is that we don't choose our identity. Actually, our Creator has given us an identity. And actually, we're not who we think we are. We're who God says we are. And, and actually, trying to understand who God says we are is, is the most important thing to us really grasping our identity. Because I can guarantee you that, you know, if, uh, if there's a difference between how I see myself and how God sees me, God's not going to say, oh, Dave, I got that wrong, you know, and come over to my way of thinking. The sooner I can get to his way of thinking, the more free I'm going to be, the better of an understanding I will have of who I really am. And I think that's what Paul's trying to do here in Ephesians chapter 2, is helping us see ourselves as God sees us. As who we really are. So who are we? We'll do a quick gallivant through that as well. 
Let's go back to the beginning, to creation. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We were created in the image of God. And what does that mean? Well, I'm going to borrow an illustration from Putty. Um, So, who is on the front of a £10 note? The Queen. No, just ink on paper. (laughs) It's an image of the Queen. So it points to the Queen. Has anybody actually seen the Queen? Met the Queen? Oh, quite a few. So whenever you see the image of the Queen on the £10 note, it kind of makes you think of the Queen. It it points to her. I've never seen the Queen, never met her, um, but seeing her image helps me get a sense of what she's like. Um, And that's that's what we are. We're made to image God. We're made to point to him, to help display his characteristics, to help people see what God is like. So we as human beings are his image bearers. So that's creation. And then we've the story of the fall. So Adam and Eve choosing to go their own way instead of God's way, representing um, so our, our choice as humankind to do that. And we the breakdown of relationship especially with God, we become spiritually dead and Paul mentions that in the chapter. There's a breakdown of our ability to image God. You see, actually at the fall we didn't just do sin, we became sinners. Sin became part of our nature. Brokenness became part of our identity. And after the fall we don't just have a doing problem that I sometimes do something that's a bit wrong. We have a being problem. And again, let me borrow Putty's illustration on this. What is a being problem? Well, imagine tonight you go into your bathroom and and you pick up your toothbrush and then something distracts you and the toothbrush falls into the toilet. (laughs) The toothbrush now has a being problem. (laughs) Its being has been violated because no matter how much you wash it, or scrub it, or boil it, it's not going to go into your mouth again, is it? Its it's being has been violated. The only solution is to throw it away and get a new toothbrush. And by the way, out there, culture feels this, and this has been resonating with me as well. You know, often people don't feel that guilty about having done this or that wrong, but they often do feel a sense of brokenness, that they're broken and they don't know how to be fixed. So what's God's solution to our brokenness, to our being problem? Well, he deals with our deadness through Jesus' death. He deals with our old sin nature by getting rid of it. And he makes us alive through Jesus' resurrection. If we jump to Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who died has been set free from sin. And then if we skip to verse 11, in the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So God's solution is a being swap. Our old nature is dealt with and we're made alive in Christ. And actually, baptism, we're going to have a baptism, hopefully on the 30th of, of June. So if you're interested in getting baptised, come to speak, speak with one of the leadership team. Um, but in baptism, it symbolises the dying bit, so our old nature being, being dying in baptism and being raised again. So it's a being swap. A little aside again, if we're really dead to sin, then why as Christians do we sometimes still sin? Um, Actually, Putty has a great sort of 50 minute talk on that. So look it up, Putty Putman uh, Vineyard National Leaders Conference. Uh, You'll find it online. Um, I just want to highlight one thought, and actually it's the last uh, bit in 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 verse 11 in Romans. Uh, Paul says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you remember last term we looked at Romans chapter 12? And verse 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the key, I think, is our mind. Renewing our mind, changing our thinking, understanding our, our identity, having the mind of Christ. We need to spend time with Jesus, listen to what he says, uh, and take him at his word. And as we do that, actually, we are we, we, able to walk in our new nature, um, we're, we're, um, we're dead to sin, but alive in Christ. So if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2 then, Paul expands on what this being swap means. Verse 6, he says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We're seated with God. Actually, that speaks of authority and the authority we were given at creation we have again in Christ. Verse 7, we have a hope and a future. Um, it says, in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We have a hope and we have a future. And then if we jump to verse 10, we have a purpose I don't want to steal Esther's thunder. She's speaking about these verses next week. But the word workmanship is such an amazing word. It's not just creation. It's workmanship. And it can also be translated masterpiece or even poem. We are God's masterpiece. We're preciously made. We're individually made. We have the capacity once again to image God to the world. And we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have a purpose here on earth. Each one of us, not just you know, people in leadership positions or the rich or the powerful or whatever. Actually, we are all significant. God has things he wants you to do. He has things prepared in advance for you to do. And actually, that's something we really seek to model and live out here at Three Counties Church. You know, it's not just the leadership team or others who do things. Actually, we, we're all God's body. We all get to play. We're all equal parts. So what if, what if we rejected the negative 
false things the evil one would say to us about our identity. And some of you may have heard whispers like, you are worthless, you're a failure, you're unimportant, you're unloved, you don't have a future. It's true in the past we were dead in sin, dominated by sin under God's wrath, but no longer. What if we took God at his word and believed him? And maybe Ian and the band can come up. What if we believed that we were loved immensely by our Father God? What if we believed that we were made alive in Christ? That we were given a new nature, that we were seated with Christ? What if we believed that we were the object of God's kindness? What if we believed that we were his masterpiece? Each one of us. God's masterpiece. What if we believed we had a hope and a purpose? So we'd like to give some time um, to respond to that. Um, Ian's going to bring us a song that will help us think about, about God's identity, what he speaks over us. Um, and then maybe as we go through into more worship and communion, that there may be things that you just want to receive from him. So even as we receive communion, you might want to receive the word that you are his masterpiece, that you are loved immensely by God, that you are alive in Christ. So let's, let's take time just to see what's God speaking directly to you about this morning and to respond to that.